Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. I recently became a brand ambassador for them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They out a 0 to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or bad deal. Green means good and red means bad. Plus, my listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with my promo code Devil State of Mind. Again, my promo code is Devil State of Mind. Click the link in our social medias on our link tree to download the app and remember to use our promo code devil state of mind click the link in my profile slash description of anything that i have i'll have it on all of my links and once again shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing app of the devil state of mind podcast i'm pissed I don't I don't know how else to start this episode except that I am I am pissed. But what is going on, Devils fans? It is as always your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villa Piano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio. The best place to get everything you need to know about your Hall of Fame snubbed. New Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You already know that I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And with Major League Baseball well underway, the NHL draft 
and the NBA draft are right around the corner. NBA draft later this week. And then next week we have the NHL draft, really the start of the next NHL season. We have several big uh, mixed martial arts fights going on and, you know, several major golf tournaments. And with all that going on, you already know the DraftKings Sportsbook is your number one destination to get in on all of the huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on this action, go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now, sign up, use our promo code THPN, and don't forget to tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. And as always, a big thank you and shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook for being the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. And as always, shout out to our friends over at SeatGeek. And as I've said before, guys, if you want to get the best bang for your buck with just really, really good evaluations on the value of the ticket and where you'll be seating and giving you a really good view of where you'll be seating, you already know SeatGeek is your number one destination for tickets for not just sporting events, but for concerts and so much more. And if you want to get $20 off your first purchase, make sure you use my promo code Devil State of Mind, and you will indeed get $20 off your first purchase. That is, in my opinion, one heck of a deal that you want to take advantage of. So shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing partner of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Yeah, so I haven't done a rant in quite some time. I think it's been months. It might have been maybe December, the middle of last season, but the last time you heard me really rant, but I want to today because today, well, if you guys are listening to this on Thursday, on Wednesday afternoon, we got some unfortunate news on two former uh, Devils players that once again were not inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I want to once again reiterate why they should, why I think the Hockey Hall of Fame committee is stupid, and all of that. So we will start with that. The next thing I want to talk to you guys about is some news involving the current Devils. Uh, There is a report out there the Devils have found the Andrew Burnett replacement, and it is not Sergey Breland. It is somebody coming from outside the organization, but does have some Devils ties, especially with our general manager. And then lastly, because we are well into the offseason now, you already know rumors are constantly swirling. And this is the big one. We talked about it in our most recent episode, but we have a little bit more information, more that definitely involves specifically the New Jersey Devils. So I think we definitely have to uh, look at that. And so that is what we are going to discuss on here today. So as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So let's start with the rant, shall we? So on Wednesday, uh, June 21st, 2023, at around 3 p.m., we were going to be notified as to who would be the class of 2023 for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Two Devils players, former Devils players, were up once again on the ballot. That is Patrick Eliash, of course, and also Alexander Mogilny. And unfortunately, neither one of them, once again, were put on the ballot as Henrik Lundqvist 
in his first year on the ballot is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He gets in. Tom Barrasso, the former Pittsburgh Penguins netminder, who won two Stanley Cups in the 90s. Carolyn Ouellette, who arguably is one of the greatest women's hockey players of all time. Pierre Turgeon, who I remember very much for his success, uh, certainly with um, with the New York Islanders. I remember even in 1993, he really was a big driving force, although he did get hurt in that playoff series against the Capitals and Dale Hunter, but still phenomenal player. Mike Vernon won a Stanley Cup in Calgary as well as the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Pierre Lacroix, who was the general manager of the Colorado Avalanche when they won the Cup in 96 and also in 2001. And Ken Hitchcock, uh, the former longtime Dallas Stars and St. Louis Blues head coach, he also got in. Both Lacroix and Hitchcock got in as uh, builders. I'm not sure off the top of my head if uh, Ken Hitchcock was already in the Hall of Fame as a coach, but nonetheless, uh, Ken Hitchcock is now in the Hall of Fame. But, I don't really understand at this point why both Eliash and Mogilny are not in the Hall of Fame. At the, because if you think about it, there are some guys on the on this ballot that did not win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, they made major contributions, do not get me wrong. But I guess winning Stanley Cups and also having a huge amount of records doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's puzzling to me. This is the fifth year for Patrick Elias being eligible for the hockey hall of fame. So he's been on the ballot for a while and he still hasn't gotten in. Rob Brindamore isn't in. Jeremy Roenick isn't in. Vinny LeCavillet is not in. What am I missing here? Also, why is it always just one female player that gets in or female contributor? Why is it not multiple? I don't get that. Other than the fact that I imagine that the majority, if not all of the voters for the Hockey Hall of Fame are men. Just, just an assumption. But we've, you know, they, they continue to add women to the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is great. But I feel like there should be more than just one. I feel like they're doing it just so that they don't get in trouble, you know, you know, on social media and stuff like that. But going back to Eliash in particular, I don't know what he has done wrong. I don't know. You can't tell me the neutral zone trap stuff. You can't say because he played with Marty. If that's the, you know, I, I don't, I don't get it. His numbers retired. Patrick Elias has all these different records for this team. Only just last year did Jack Hughes break Patrick Elias's record for most points in a season by a devil. I don't get it. He's won multiple cups. He's been an all-star. I don't get it. He played in over a thousand games. It's over a thousand points. What am I missing? And with McGillney, I mean, it's even more ridiculous. So let's, let's, give you an understanding as to how good both Eliash and Mogilny were. So as I said, Patrick Eliash is, this is his fifth year on the ballot, right? He played in his entire career with the Devils, which again, that should be something the voters should take into account. That Oh my, Eliash is a devil for life. He did not play for multiple teams. 
He he played for one team his entire career. He played in 1,240 games, had 408 goals, 617 assists for 1,025 points. He had over 400 goals, over 600 assists, and well over 1,000 points. To me, that's worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. He won two Stanley Cups in 2000-2003. Mind you, he scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2000 Eastern Conference Finals to help the Devils come back from down three games to one to beat the Flyers in the Conference Finals to go on to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, he also got the primary assist on the Jason Arnott goal to win the Stanley Cup in Game 6 of that year's Finals. These are big moments that ultimately propelled this team to winning a Stanley Cup. He was on the 2003 Stanley Cup team, was a major contributor to that team. He was part of a well-known line, the Arnott line, with, you know, Jason Arnott, Peter Sikora, and obviously Patrick Eliash. He played for a very, very, very long time. He played so long, he was on the 2012 team that went to the finals and played several seasons after that year happened. He is, like I said, two-time cup champ. Yes, he was only in the All-Star game once, which again is also a crime because he had several seasons that were All-Star worthy, but whatever. He is one of just several players on this Devils, you know, in Devils history to have their number retired. Okay, that's a big deal. And let's go through the records that Eliash still has in Devils franchise history. Franchise record for career points, 1,025. Record for career goals, 408. Record for assists, 617. All-time leader in playoff goals, 45. Assists, 80. And points, 125. Record for most points in a playoff season with 23. Record for career game-winning goals, 80. Record for career overtime goals, 16. Most career overtime points, 37. Record for career hat-tricks, 8. Record for career shots on goal, 3,201. Record for career power play goals, 110. What am I missing? He has most of if not all of the all-time career records for scores, for forwards, has his number retired, has won multiple Stanley Cups, has been an all-star, and played his entire career with this organization. I must be missing something. I don't get it. At this point, I don't get it. Now, do I think eventually Elias will get in? It's possible. And the only reason I could come up with it's going to sound very conspiracy, you know, you know, conspiracy based, but I think it's just a dislike against the devils as per usual. Um, because nothing else makes sense. Why else is he not in? How are other guys getting in when he was, I'm sorry about Henrik Lundqvist. He had a great career, but is he worthy of the hall of fame? Honestly? Like, people want to say he was one of the greatest goalies of the past generation, okay? But 
Did he win a cup? No. Went to the finals once. Is he? He's not even the greatest goaltender in franchise history. That's Mike Richter. But you guys want to look at the numbers. See, with it, with with a guy like Lundqvist, you just want to look at his numbers. And also, he is a wonderful human being. Great guy. Great personality on TV. One of the nicest people you ever meet. Okay, none of this to me is criticizing Henrik Lundqvist. Congratulations to him on getting in the Hall of Fame. But for him to get in first ballot, for people to say he was a shoo-in, when you have other guys who did more than he did, and granted, at different positions, but still, to me, what it tells you is that this is the, this is the Hall of Fame of friends. Okay? This is not the Hockey Hall of Fame. This is the Hockey Hall of Friends. Meaning, in my opinion, if you have a good relationship with the voters, if you have a good relationship with the NHL, if you, you know, make contributions that the NHL likes, you'll get in. I'm not saying that Patrick Ellis doesn't have a good relationship with voters. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a good relationship with the NHL. But I think the fact, the crutch for him is that he played for the Devils. As stupid as that sounds, I believe that. I do. That people are picking up on the social cues. Well, the Devils won three cups with the neutral zone trap. Okay, first of all, this is getting old. This is getting completely old. Because if you're going to discredit Marty, why is he in the Hall of Fame? If you're going to discredit Marty and say the reason that he is good as he is is because of neutral zone trap, then Marty shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. If we're going off of that logic, same thing. Neutral zone trap. Okay, then Stevens doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, right? Scott Niedemeyer doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Do you see what I mean? Do you see where I'm coming from here? Like, you're. it sounds like you're just making an excuse to not put more devils in. It's like, how is Bernie Williams still not in the Baseball Hall of Fame at this point? Oh, because he played with Jeter and Posada and, and Mariana Rivera. The dude was phenomenal. They talk about the core four. It should have been the core five because he was just as big of a deal and big part of those Yankee teams as everybody else. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get what Elias has done to Piss off people except play for the Devils. I don't get it. And honestly, I'm sure Eliash feels annoyed by it too. Because there's other guys, it's certainly at least one, that was on the ballot for the first time and got in. And Eliash has done more than that guy. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Let's talk about Alexander McGillney because he's fascinating. He has been a nominee since 2009. It is 2023. He has been on the ballot for nearly a decade and a half. He has been a nominee for nearly a decade and a half. Let that sink in, okay? He hasn't played in the league since the early 2000s. There are only six players in NHL history to have scored 75 or more goals in a season. And when you think about it, even with the scoring amping up of late in the NHL, scoring even 60 in a season is, is unheard of. 
And there's only been one 60-goal scorer per season in the last two years. Austin Matthews two years ago at 60, and then Connor McDavid this past season at 64. So that shows you how great of a goal scorer Alexander McGillney was. In 1992-93, he scored 76 goals in a period in the dead puck era when everybody was struggling to score, he put up 76. He's the last remaining member of the 75 and over over club that is not in the Hall of Fame. Make that make sense to me, please. He's the only one. In 1992,000, you know, for some older Devils fans, he was traded from Vancouver to the Devils. And he played two and change seasons in New Jersey, and he scored 43 goals and 83 points in the 2000-2001 season. That was the second year he was there. McGillney was a big part of winning the Stanley Cup in 2000. See, the great thing about Lou, Lou Lamorello, is that in the three years that the Devils won the Cup, he always found that clutch goal score. 95, it was Claude Lemieux. 2000, it was Alexander McGillney. In 2003, it was Jeff Friesen. McGillney was there for a reason. The Devils don't win the Cup if McGillney's not there. He was a big contributor on the same team that Elias was a part of. He scored three goals and four assists in the 23 playoff games, helping the Devils win the Cup. And he also was on the 2000-2001 team that lost in seven games in the Cup Final the following year. But here's the thing that is the most important. It's his story of how he got to the NHL. Despite all of the success he had at a very young age playing in the late Soviet national team, um, McGilney wanted out. Remember, back then with the Soviet Union, you couldn't just leave. Okay? You know? Fatisov fought his way to getting approved to be allowed to leave. McGilney was different. Because McGilney was a young player with still so much potential. Fatisov, to be fair, by the time he got to NHL, he was pretty old. You know? He wasn't at the same elite level that he was at before. But McGilney couldn't just leave. The Buffalo Sabres took a gamble by drafting him. They drafted him 89th overall in the 1988 NHL draft. And the next year... He tried to leave and defect from the Soviet Union. And the Sabres helped him. And he got on a plane having to you know, stay, you know, hide in certain places, stay in different hotels while he got a contract signed, and were able to get on a plane from Stockholm after he was playing in the 89 World Championships and defected to the United States. Do you know how difficult that was? For him as a young player, if he got caught, who knows what would have happened to McGillney? Who knows the type of punishment he might have gotten? He was a young player trying to defect. And if it wasn't for him, guys like Sergei Zubov, who, by the way, is in the Hall of Fame, wouldn't have gotten a chance to play in the NHL. 
okay? This was a big deal. He was scared for his life. He could have died trying to defect from the Soviet Union. His story and his desire to defect from the Soviet Union to play in the NHL opened the door for young players moving forward in Russia to come play in the United States. Every single Russian player who plays in the NHL has McGilney to thank. He's not the only one, but it was pretty damn big. Pretty damn big. And when you look at the stats, they're also still very impressive. He played in 990 games. He almost played 1,000 games. Scored 473 goals. Okay? It's a lot. He was on pace to score 500. And had 559 assists for 1,032 points. He was a six-time All-Star. A two-time second All-Star team. Won a Stanley Cup in 2000 was tied for the goal-scoring lead in 1993 with 76 with Tamu Salani, won the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy in 2003, and also in that 93 year, had the most game-winning goals in a season in NHL history with 11. He had some, some NHL notoriety. So my question with him as well is, what is the problem? He's been on there longer than Eliash. What are we missing here? He had a long, long career that spanned three decades and has well over a thousand points, won a Stanley Cup, been an all-star numerous times, won a Lady Bing trophy, has a career has a all-time record. What am I missing with that? I don't get it. I don't get any of this. This is why the Hockey Hall of Fame is just the Hall of Fame of friends. You have to have a relationship. And whether it's because the NHL still holds grudges against the Soviet Union and punishing a guy like McGilney, I don't know. But I think it's just people, you know, hire, you know, bringing, awarding people that they're friendly with to get in the Hall of Fame. I think Heinrich Lundqvist deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but not as a first ballot. Not as a first ballot. I just... And there's other guys, like I mentioned, who are still not in. Rob Brindamore. Uh, Vinny LeCavulet. Freaking Henrik Zetterberg. You know, Jeremy Roenick. What am I missing? Patrick Elias. Mogilny. Why? Why are these guys keep getting passed up? How is Marion Hosa in the Hall of Fame right now? Explain that. Oh, because he won he won a couple Stanley Cups? Good for him. Oh, because he was the best player on really shitty Atlanta Thrashers teams? So what? What does that matter? He joined the Blackhawks as they were beginning their run. And yeah, he did make contributions, but like, come on, man. Come on. So, it's whatever. Uh, so, another year goes by and Eliash Mogilny will have to wait till 2024. And I just feel like they'll get screwed again because they've already been screwed several times over for guys who are less deserving than they are. So, 
No Devils players will be honored for the Hockey Hall of Fame this year. And all we can do is hope that next year and the years moving forward, those guys start getting recognized the way that they deserve. And uh, I hope that people continue to push for these people to get in because these guys, including others I mentioned, rightfully deserve to have their name etched in hockey immortality. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, we do have some news. We have one news thing and one rumor thing that we still have to discuss in this episode. There'll be a lot quicker. Um, We did get a report earlier this week on Monday, actually, that the New Jersey Devils have already found their replacement for Andrew Burnett. Uh, Monday afternoon, Sportsnet's Elliot Freeman reported that former Vancouver Canucks head coach Travis Green would be joining the Devils coaching staff as an associate coach under Lindy Ruff. So he takes over the position that uh, Andrew Burnett held all of last season. Elliot said, quote, there is word Travis Green will join New Jersey staff in the position vacated by Andrew Burnett. Green had several options believed to include Calgary and Toronto and chose the Devils. I think that's one thing to say right off the bat that makes you feel proud as a Devils fan and even people in the organization that he had numerous opportunities to go and, you know, go wherever he wanted. He chose to come to the Devils. I think that says a lot. I think it says a lot about what Tom Fitzgerald has built and everything. Why do you think Andrew Burnett joined this team? Other than the fact that he knew um, Tom Fitzgerald. I think it shows that not only players, but now even coaches want to be a part of this. And I think that says a lot about what Tom Fitzgerald has built. Um, Green is set to be the one to replace Burnett on the Devils staff. Um, And again, if you don't remember, uh, earlier this offseason, Andrew Burnett left to become the new head coach of the Nashville Predators. So now we have, once again, our coaching staff is full and set. But let me give you some background on, on Green, in case you don't know who uh, who Travis Green is. And also, I did write an article for Big Apple Hockey uh, giving you a background on Travis Green and what he brings to the Devils. I will post the link to that uh, on Twitter as well in case you haven't checked it out. And if you can, go to Big Apple Hockey, check it out. And if you like it, make sure to smash the like button. really does help as I continue to push out um, some writing content for you guys. So, uh, Reese, the most recent thing Travis Green was is that he was the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks for almost five seasons from 2017-19 to 2021-22. He was fired in early December of 2021. Um, and in his time in Vancouver, Green coached 314 games, posting a record of 133, 147, and 35. He made the playoffs once in his time there, and that was during the 2019-2020 COVID-shortened season when the Canucks finished fourth in the Pacific Division and they were eligible to play in the bubble. And once the bubble began, the Canucks did actually end up having some success as they guided the, as Green guided the Canucks to a second round exit. Um, once once eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights, they went the distance and the Canucks almost got to the conference finals, um, but they fell just short. And you thought that was kind of the beginning of a special time in Vancouver, but it was anything but. Uh, Green also does have head coaching experience in the AHL with the Utica Comets when they were still the Vancouver Canucks affiliate. 
He coached the Comets from 2013 to 2016. And in the 14-15 season, he led the Comets all the way to the Calder Cup Finals, where they ultimately lost in five games to the Los Angeles Kings affiliate, the Manchester Monarchs. He also did coach uh, junior hockey as well, uh, both as an assistant, as an interim head coach. He was also an assistant general manager. So he has a lot of experience in coaching. He also brings in, brings a lot of experience as a former player. He played from 1992 to 2007. So he played a decade and a half in the National Hockey League. He played for the New York Islanders, Anaheim Ducks, Arizona Coyotes, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Boston Bruins. Several of those teams he played for more than once. He finished playing in 970 games, scoring 193 goals, 262 assists for 455 points in 16 seasons. And this is where, obviously, the Devils connection comes in. He was teammates with Devils GM Tom Fitzgerald with the Islanders, Bruins, and Maple Leafs during their playing careers. So this is clearly another situation where Fitzgerald hires a familiar face that he knows, just like Brunette last year. And I know that people look at what Travis Green did in his time in Vancouver and say, this is not really a great hire, but that, but he is a head, he was the head coach. He also did talk about how unstable Vancouver was, and you see it now, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And Travis Green has had the opportunity to reflect a lot since he got fired. He brings in a lot of experience, a lot of offensive experience, and I think he's going to help this team. I mean, I think he's going to make the power play better. That was one area that Burnett never seemed to really get going. And I know that Burnett, um, Travis Green's power plays from Vancouver over time, you know, they kind of went up and down. But I think with the firepower we have, um, I do think that Green has the ability and he's going to bring in a new focus. Um, and I think it's going to work out. That's the way I, I feel optimistic about it. Uh, in a recent interview with The Athletic, which actually, funny enough, it was like a couple days before he got hired, uh, Green spoke about his time in Vancouver and he wants to do things differently moving forward. And so I got a couple um, little things here that he said. So the first thing he goes, quote, you go through a little adversity and you work on things to get better. And I think I'll be better in all areas of coaching right now just because of natural progression, but also having the time to evaluate and look back. It's taking stock of the things you're good at and work on the things you're not as good at because everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. I spent a lot of time watching a lot of hockey, how teams play, studying different systems. I'm a bit of a hockey nerd, so that was easy. It wasn't just watching systems either, but thinking about how different things can be incorporated with different teams and teams at different stages of their development too. I think that's really important when you're talking about systems and how you want to play. And the last thing, they said, was awesome. I'm a guy that loves challenges. I love coaching. That's the competitive part of us. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting another opportunity. Well, that opportunity now is in the Garden State of New Jersey. And, you know, he evaluates himself and says, look, I've had time to evaluate myself, figure out what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and what I can do to improve. And look, he is an assistant under Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff is still obviously calling the shots. Um, so I, I think that, you know, Travis Green is going to have a singular focus. I think it's going to probably be at the same role that Burnett had. And all we can do is just be optimistic 
and, you know, hope that he can help uh, make this offense even better. Because if we get a power play that is as lethal as it can look on paper and actually have that success, that's only going to make this team that much more dangerous. So, again, this is reporting. Um, it hasn't been confirmed. It hasn't been official yet. It hasn't been official yet. But you know when Elliot Friedman says something, you know it's going to be true. So we still have to wait, obviously, on the announcement that Lindy Ruff has officially been brought back. And the same thing with Travis Green. I think all that's going to be announced on the same day. Uh, maybe when we technically get into the next year of the NHL. So let's keep an eye on that. But the Devils did find their Andrew Burnett placement as they are prepared to hire Travis Green as a new associate coach under Lindy Ruff's staff. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinem.org. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 8-1800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10-plus leg required for one 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com, draftkings.com, slash baseball terms. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about here on this edition of Devil's State of Mind podcast is a major rumor that we have talked about in passing before, but now it seems like things are starting to get more serious. According to a report by Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic and also TSN, the New Jersey Devils have entered the Connor Hellebuck sweepstakes. Lebrun also stated that the Devils are one of the teams, one of them, that have contacted the Winnipeg Jets about the 30-year-old netminder and the fact that he is willing to sign an extension with. It has been reported that if Connor Hellebuck was traded to New Jersey, amongst other teams, but New Jersey that he would sign an extension with them to remain a devil, I would assume, um, long-term. However, again reported, New Jersey as well as other teams are willing to sign Hellbuck to an extension. However, they are uncomfortable paying him Andre Vasilevsky-type money. According to LeBron Hellbuck, uh, LeBron Hellbuck says that he's asking for about $9.5 million dollars. That's a little less than what Sergei Bobrovsky is making right now. 
LeBron adds he believes that if Hellbuck wants to go to New Jersey, he'd have to come down from his $9.5 million ask. And I think that that makes a lot of sense considering how Fitzgerald does work, what he does. I think that's pretty much what it's going to be. And I think that if the Devils were to move forward with trying to acquire Connor Hellebuck, they would want the opportunity to speak to Connor and his representatives to have an extension done prior to them acquiring him. I don't think they necessarily want to go down the same route that they did with Timo, although I still believe that Timo is going to get re-signed. Now, as for Hellebuck, he is a Vesna Trophy finalist along with, um, with uh, Ilya Sorokin and Linus Allmark. Add the fact that he also did win the award in the 2019-2020 season. He is also a two-time All-Star and has been a workhorse for the Winnipeg Jets for years. Now, he had a pretty shaky first-round series against the eventual Stanley Cup champions this year in the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, And you're hoping that that's just a blip on the radar and not something to be concerned about long-term or something that could become a concern long-term. So we'll see. Hellebuck did have a fantastic year last year. He won 37 games in his 64 starts. He had a .920 save percentage and a 2.49 goals against average. He also ranked fourth overall in the NHL with a 30.8 goals saved above expected. Still playing at an elite level. Um, there's a little question as to what the Devils are buying in Hellebuck, and he's an elite goaltender. And he could very well be, if the Devils acquire him, he could be the last guy that we need in this championship puzzle. He might very well be the guy that gets us over the hump. There's just some issues with going after Hellebuck. First and foremost, in a trade, because I'm sure you would have to try to trade for Hellebuck because it doesn't sound like he's going to be staying in Winnipeg going into the season. You'd probably have to give up probably Vitek Vanacek. He has two years left on his deal, although I feel like it's too early to give up on Vanacek like that. Sharon Govich, you know, you're hearing rumors that he's going to get, that he might very well be on the move. Um, Maybe he's part of that deal. At least one first round pick, which I believe would be probably in either 2024 or 25. And a top prospect that my money is still probably Alexander Holtz. Or maybe a Simone Nemetz. I doubt it now since the Devils traded Severson. But I would say Holtz maybe would probably be the most logical option. Now, with Dougie Hamilton, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, and Connor Hellebuck, this is without Timo Meyer, the Devils would have five players making north of $7 million and two at $9 million if it's Hellebuck and Dougie Hamilton. And it's very possible, and I think very likely, that Meyer will reach that number as well in his new contract. So at that point, you would have, if you include Meyer, you would have six players making north of $7 million and three of them making over nine. Nine or more. That's kind of like what you see in Toronto in terms of not really having cap to make moves to maybe make the team around your star players better. And I don't think that Fitzgerald wants to be in that same position. I think he's very big on having a healthy cap. And the thing about it is that you're going to, you still have Akira Schmidt who still has years to develop, shows a lot of promise. I think long-term he's going to be our guy. If you bring in Hellebuck, I feel like you kind of stunt his growth. I know Nico Dawes is going to be out till at least December of next season with an injury. And I do think that there are cheaper veteran options if you really want to go with a three-goalie system like you did last year. 
Um, and I'm not wild about giving up another first round pick. I don't really want to give up Holtz because I still think he's untapped, but I wanted to read some other things here. Maybe, uh, you know, it won't be a problem with the salary cap going up over the next few years, but we really don't know how significant the cap is going to be. Uh, the other thing is that Hellebuck will be 31 when his extension kicks in. And he's still a great goalie playing at an elite level, but is it worth giving him the max term of seven, eight years when you know he'll be in his late 30s, early 40s? I don't know. How much longer is he going to be a top five goalie in this league? Now, if we sign him to a three or four or four or five year deal at a lower AAV, I can run with it. If you want to acquire him, have him play out the year on what he's making now, see where it goes, and then go from there, okay. But are you willing to give up assets to maybe not keep a guy? I don't know. And we have to remember this. The biggest example of the problem with paying a goaltender $9 plus $10 million a year is, is that you have a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky. And he was great in the run to the Stanley Cup final, but he was awful in the finals. He went back to what he's been since he signed there. For most of his time in, in Florida, he's spent a lot of time on the bench because he just could not get above a- average goaltending from him. You couldn't. And remember, he signed his deal in 2019 at $10 million. It's a seven-year deal. And he's he's been close to league average, not really, but he hasn't lived up to getting paid nine million, uh, ten million dollars a year. So would the Devils feel the same way if Hellebuck is not playing at that level that we need him to play at? Is it you know for nine plus million dollars now? If if Hellebuck wants to come to New Jersey and is willing to take less to make it work, then okay. But again. Are you willing to give up on one of Schmidt or Vanacek uh, right now? I said it before that I don't have a problem with going in with those two guys next year. I think they're both primed to have really good seasons, particularly Vanacek. And I think that they're going to bounce back in the playoffs. I really do. They have that experience. They know what they need to do. And I think they will improve. So the question also is, what would it take for the Devils to get more involved in negotiating to acquire Connor Hellebuck and even potentially sign him to a long-term extension or an extension period? Like I said before, he'll likely have to take around $8 million or less per year. And if Hellebuck doesn't want to do that, then the Devils should just not even bother. And I still think the Devils are going to probably pause on that um, because the Devils' window is just open. It's just open. And, you know, you have two goaltenders who are not getting paid a whole lot. And you have a healthy cap right now. Even after you sign Timo Meyer to a long-term deal, you're still going to have a healthy cap. You still have to pay Mercer long-term. You still have to pay Luke Hughes long-term. And you still have to pay guys like Simone Nemetz long-term as well. If you want them to be part of your team long-term. Now, if Hellebuck wants to make it easy on us and sign for four or five years, it may be $6 million or whatever. Okay, I could ride with that. I would be static about that. I think Fitzgerald, I trust in him completely that he's going to do right by this team. 
I don't, I'm not worried about it. So we'll see. It sounds like things have been picking up in that market. I think it's, we're about a week away from the draft. I think it's something to keep our eye on, keep our eyes and ears on with this and see what type of things. I think the Devils are going to continue to be very interesting during this offseason. We are 10 days away from the start of free agency as well. Things are going to pick up, guys. And all we could do is buckle up and get ready for what should be another really interesting and entertaining offseason, especially for the New Jersey Devils.